Greetings and fellow adventurers, welcome to the MinMax Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us and you do so as we continue the Extinction Curse. As always, we'd like to invite you to come join our Discord where you can hang out with us and other listeners of the show. And if you'd like to throw a little financial support our way, you can check out our Patreon and a shout out to all of those at our big number level and above. Rock Jedi, Iggy, Wolf, Blodimus Slump, Thunder Mammoth, The Trevor Project, Das Chris, Fizzgig, AC Goldner, Eric R. Oh, just going to sneak right past you there. Indie Link, Tawdry Monster, Mercutio. Angel Shadowheart, Forevermore, Sirendum, Dicky Lopez, Licky Dopez, Rickety Rope Bridge, Alex K, Mordine, Doma El Laca, Dr. Grinis, Frank L, Just Mike Works, Ross D, Marab Syndrome, Fig Tears, Zach S, Jamie H, Mr. Turtle, Sleeve, Darren, Caleb W, Corey, Pickle, Mr. Grimm, Fire Down, M54, Ewas, Jameson S, Eric R, Plus Two, Vorpal Salmon of Whacking, I'm Not a Robot. Shout out to new patron at the opening act, Angelo P. Thank you all so much for your support. And now a recap of Session 139. After wrecking some Zolgath, we fly over to the Thieves statue. We find a bunch of dead Zolgath there. We determine that this thief statue is beyond us since we really have no thievery. As we head out, we spot a colossal titan hiding in the mountains somehow who pops out and attacks us. It's an absolute monster and almost kills the wizard and Moonlight. They basically have to run away. The fight is epic. In the end, the wizard takes it down with some magic missiles. Yeah, we'll take some time to heal the poor wizard up. Yeah, interestingly enough, the fact that you were ran away actually like delayed him from handling the immediate Jeb and Peach Pie threat because he really wanted to knock you out so he wouldn't have to deal with the spell any longer. But that wand of manifold missiles yeah, knocking poking at him. Yep, just poking him little bits at a time. Not enough to gain his attention, but that was all. That was a very fun fight. Yeah. That was a until fun until fight. He, he counteracts, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit. Oh. Oh, fuck you in particular. But Just no, he counteracts your 10th level fucking spell. That's yeah, very, very well played by the casters there. Jeb and I just kind of got up, or I just got up and whacked on it. But Jeb, your sustains, and Moonlight, your sustain, and running away, and Wizard, your timely spells. This is a good fight. Good team effort. I expand my control stand and start choking out Peach Pie. <laughs> Why, Jeb? Why, Jeb? <laughs> some reason I pictured... Peach pie is someone that liked being choked. <laughs> <laughs> Peach yeah. pie hard. Jeb hard. What has happened? <laughs> Jeb immediately drops the spell. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and get all of your treat wounds in. I mean, really even after roll. We take we take a few minutes. Yeah, you take your time. I'm not going to make you roll for it. Go ahead. Right. Uh, since there's not anything that's going to be threatening you immediately, you took care of really the only threat in the immediate area. There's nothing for miles. That I mean, we need to loot this thing, find what it's got on it. I try to wield its halberd. Yeah. <laughs> it's heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> it's fucking gargantuan. <laughs> All right, so let's yeah, let's go through a couple of things here with with gear. The Thanatotic Titan is carrying a plus three greater striking halberd, but you can't really carry the halberd. And I will it take the runes. It doesn't you know shave off. And you can yeah, you can make some crafting checks to to get the runes that would off. Take eight hours or something like that, doesn't it? Just removing runes from a weapon. I mean, transferring rooms, runes takes eight hours. Does it? Yeah, I suppose it does, doesn't it? 
That being said, I wouldn't be against taking a day <laughs> sleeping after that fight. You can just—is there a room that he can fit in the mansion? The Titan? <laughs> no. You got a side room for the that? <laughs> yeah. Drag the halberd into the Titan so you can work on it. <laughs> yeah, it takes one day to transfer a rune or swap a pair of runes, and you can continue to work over additional days to get a discount as usual with craft. So yeah, you could remove the uh, the greater striking and the the plus three potency rune. But you will need to work on it to, to actually pull the runes off and put them onto a rune stone. This will take a little bit of time. Eight hours for that. On top of the plus three greater striking halberd, he also is wearing a plus two greater resilient full plate. That's worth some decent money. And the greater resilient, that's the one that gives you the plus two item bonus to saving throws. Which I would assume we all already have. Or maybe the wizard doesn't have it. No, I do. Yeah, uh, because you've got plus two... Bracers. Bracers, don't you? Yeah. Uh, you are able to successfully heal up everyone. Uh, you have enough time to do it. It takes you about maybe an hour to do so. The ground around the thief statue is crumbling. There are fissures all over around that statue. As you're in the area, you notice that... The fissures are, just as you would expect wrens in the earth to go, completely random. Uh, They open in a a path that isn't a straight line. You have jagged cliff wall edges inside of the fissures. But you notice, below where the thief statue is, is solid stone. In fact, it's marble that is untouched by the earthquake effect. It's difficult to tell because, of course, the you know the fissures in the ground are completely random. But it's easy to spot these this spot under the statue because against the randomness of the cliff walls in the fissure, they're smooth and flat. So I guess the question is: is, is the objective of this thing to unlock it or to get whatever is in there and put it in its hand? That's my guess. Is that's the objective? Is putting this certain item in his hand. Maybe it just doesn't know how that happened. So we could try a door knocker or we could try, you know, a wish slash alter reality thing. I don't think a door knocker would work. Well, yeah, but Tyler just said, like, there's a much larger open space now that we could put that door in. And Door knocker opens like a 10 foot tall door. Yeah, you do see that the uh, the pedestal that the statue is standing on uh, is made of solid marble, and that structure goes underground. The earthquake didn't actually affect that structure, as it seems to be magically reinforced somehow. But there is a big wall of marble along the sides of one of the fissures right next to the statue. I guess Dornock really just says it opens it. Door. It also would depend on how thick doors. it was. This is only penetrates five feet of material. Yeah, my greater one could do five feet. I mean, do we want to try that before we try using a wish, or do we just want to fuck around with wish <laughs> and alter reality? This is all on you guys. <laughs> I'm indifferent. <laughs> See what I'll allow. <laughs> well, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, there isn't really any material requirements anymore for, like, wish. Like I think it was, I think one E was like twenty five thousand gold to make a wish. 
Yeah, it was really fucking expensive. Wish was also, like, significantly more powerful and open-ended in 1E2. Tyler, I think we wish to alter reality. We wish to alter reality? So, if you wish to alter reality... Well, I'm not going to tell you what you can do. Tell me what you want the wish to do. Like, what is your wish? You wish to be a masked, uh, legendary thievist. I mean, I think in the end we want to, you know, try to get a much better version of Knock. <laughs> Something that, like, makes it so that... All right, all right. It's a ninth level version that has... Makes you a master in it or legendary in it. I really like that. I really like that. And in fact, at some point, I might look at just like writing down some homebrew rules for Knock with some heightened versions for it. Because in a situation like this particular party, not having anyone above trained in thievery, <laughs> you really should. We're honest be people, all right? Fucked here and there, right? <laughs> but, you know, of course. We wouldn't just take something from you. Right. Well, and of course, you know, adventurers, uh, or not adventurers, adventures that happen do kind of assume that you have somebody who fills one of the roles in your standard, you know, classic party. The thief, the healer, the wizard, and the fighter, right? But that's just not the case in this party, and it's not at always true. So if you want to expend a casting of Wish or Alter Reality, I'm not going to require both. I will allow you to use a ninth level knock that gives you that same bonus that you get for knock, which I believe is a plus four status bonus. And it will also increase your proficiency at ninth level would be, let's let's go with master at ninth level. At ninth level, I think it feels like legendary. It's a tenth level spell. It's a tenth yeah, level Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I'll allow that. So, But the duration of knock is a minute. That won't change. So for one minute, you will be uh, the target of the wish will have a plus four status bonus to the thievery check to attempt to open the target or open the area, and you will be considered legendary for that one minute in thievery. Okay, so this would be a pick a lock, right? Oh, wait. No, the target is one door locker container, actually. So you would target the statue with knock, and then for one minute, anybody who attempts a thievery check on it is considered legendary? Is it just one door, or was it multiple doors? Let's do that. Let's do that. No, I mean, on the statue, was it one door? The target does say one door lock or container. Well, we need to open... Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, as far as uh, what you can see, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, there are three latches that are holding the statue in place, but the wizard was able to determine that the statue does, in fact, move to be what would be some sort of, uh, um, you know, secret door, essentially. Like, it grinds off to the side to show you a passage that goes deeper. So, when you have something that is a certain number of actions, can you take twice as long if it goes over one round you can't can you like pick a lock takes two actions so if ted were to double that that would be four actions you can't technically do that can you i don't think you can make a special activity during an encounter mode situation and since the duration is a minute we are technically going to be going into encounter mode i don't think you can do that so basically it just it doesn't matter whether it's ted or i you both have the same bonus. So, on any attempt that you make, 
you will get a plus four status bonus. Sound like a plan? Good luck. So who's supplying the casting? Alter reality or wish? Which one? I want to cast it. (laughs) (laughs) I wish for Moonlight to do this. All right. So the wizard casts wish. Tenth level spell for the first time. You wish for a way for the, the door to be opened. So that's where we created our heightened knock spell. You have a minute. The spell will last for a minute. How many attempts can you get off in that minute? I think just ten is basically what we just said. I think just ten, right? One per round. Let's start seeing some checks. Uh, let's start with the 54. A 54? Yeah. Yeah, so you are able to unhook the first of three latches with your first attempt. Okay, so this is three separate latches, not just a more complex lock that takes multiple... Correct. Okay. And we'll call the target for this one the door of the statue. So this will work for the rest of the latches as well. Because yeah, with thievery, a critical success, you achieve two successes towards opening a complex lock. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't quite work out like that for this. All right, that's fine. Um, so... That's one round. Round two. Ooh, 43. Is also a success. And now looking at it, roll anything but a one with all those bonuses, essentially, which... Well, 17, so 53. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, it seems strong, but at the same time, that's basically a rogue. (laughs) That's what a rogue would have had. That would have been what a rogue would have done in our party, yeah. And we wished for a rogue. You are able to unlatch all of those three latches, and as soon as you do, the statue spins counterclockwise and to the side, revealing a tunnel, a passage that descends straight down. You have dark vision, so you see that it descends straight down for 20 feet, and it narrows the entire distance. For the last 10 feet or so, you think that even a creature as small as Moonlight will need to actually squeeze through the last 5 feet or so of the passage going down. Um, how small? 3 feet wide. And it narr- it, it, so it's 3 feet wide at the top, right where the statue is, and then it narrows further all the way down 20 feet. And even throughout the hallway... Uh, or this this passageway, this hole that goes down, there are protuberances along the walls that are precisely positioned to restrain movement. All right. So who's going down? Um, I mean, it seems like it has to be Moonlight. They're the only one even close to small enough. You think somebody larger might be able to squeeze, but it would be a little difficult. You need to be somebody that's acrobatic. I'm acrobatic and small. Yay! So does Moonlight descend? Moonlight will descend. So Moonlight begins to squeeze down this narrow passage, using the protuberances as, you know, almost like ways to help get down, right? Because there's no ladder or anything. It doesn't sound like you're using a rope to descend either. As you get further down, you get down to that last five feet, and you're squeezed in on all sides. It's dark. It's musty. 
And if you were claustrophobic, this would be one of the worst positions you could be in, hardly able to move from side to side. I live, literally lived in a box, so I'm okay with it. Oh, I suppose. <laughs> Moonlight Spurlunking. <laughs> uh, maybe more like giving me PTSD from when I was living in that box. <laughs> As you get closer, you see that this narrow chute is really the only way to describe it now that you get a little more context. Opens into the ceiling of a round chamber about 20 feet wide and 30 feet tall. So you know you see as soon as you pass the opening into this chamber that it's just a fall 30 feet down. There's a pedestal right at the center of the room that bears a faceted emerald glowing with a soft green light. How far down total am I right now? Like, I'm at the bottom of this little crawl thing, right? Yeah, yeah. You'll How need, far was that? I would say you're 15 feet down. You'll have to actually use the squeeze action to proceed any farther. But you do see the emerald on the pedestal, and it does have a soft glow to it. Grab it. So, well, I would need to drop down 30 feet to get to it. Correct. Can I see the floor? Does the floor look like... Is there anything weird about the floor? You can see the floor, and it's a smooth, polished marble floor. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out a way to drop down with, like, a a rope. Is there anything to tie a rope to up here? Oh, easily. Well, between all the protuberances and the, the chute or in the narrow passageway leading down, or even just tying it to the statue above, there's plenty of places to put it. All right. Well, I'll tie a rope to one of these protuberances so I don't have to climb all the way back up. Stop saying that word. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying it because it's fun to say. It's funny sounding. All right, so you tie a rope to uh, one of the protuberances. I'll knot the rope. That's easier to climb. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. I'm not a rope. It's only like a DC 10 or something like that. Might even just be trivial to you. So Moonlight knots the rope and begins climbing down. First, you're going to need to give me an acrobatics check to squeeze through the last five feet before you get into the open chamber. 37. A 37 is a success. And as your your twigs and your leaves are scraping against the walls, you finally make it through that last bit, and then you're hanging free just below the opening. What's everybody else doing while Moonlight's doing this, by the way? Cheering. You Boo. can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Say protuberance one more time. <laughs> Don't say that word, so I'm going to say the word. <laughs> say it one more time. Say it one more time. All right. Moonlight, as you cross the threshold into the room, you hear this soft humming, softly gl- glowing runes light up and then a clap of sound the opening explodes give me a reflex save I didn't read no runes it ain't my fault (laughs) um is this magic uh this is magic yes is it primal or arcane I guess I should just say is it primal it doesn't actually say the explosion. Oh, if it doesn't have the primal trait, yeah, I don't it, think it makes it. It a doesn't difference. have any traits, to be honest with you. Yeah, no traits on this, so nothing like that. Uh, 47. 
47 is a success. Holy shit. Uh, still, that's 49 damage. So this explosion goes off in the chute as Moonlight crosses the threshold into the chamber, leading deeper where the pedestal with the emerald on it is. I'll ask again, where's everybody else when this occurs? Well, I'm assuming just being, yeah, just yeah. hanging out. I mean, if I hear like a big explosion, I might realize I can't get in the fucking hole. I mean, are you watching Moonlight so. to make sure that they're being safe, or are you just... Can we see them from here? I kind of got the impression we couldn't even see them. Yeah, like they had to just, like, fall down a tiny hole. Kind of look down into this hole to see where it's at. Yeah, if you're, if you're at the top waiting for moonlight, the explosion gouts out the top of the, the opening right where the statue is. And I need all three of you to give me reflex saves as well. Oh, well, then I'm not looking. Yeah, see, that was my problem. Give me a reflex save. <laughs> you bastards. I said I didn't think we could see down there. So why would I be looking? But I get a 32. 42. It's really big and it hurt everybody. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's big. It hurts. Well, it's everybody within five feet of its openings. I would say I'd probably be within five feet. There we go. Okay. Then I'm going to drop the fire damage here since I don't have an effect on you guys for this. You'll have to apply the damage yourself. Peach Pie, with a 32, you critically fail. Oh, no, not damage. Wizard with a 40, oh, you damage. fail. Jebediah with a 42, you succeed. Oh, fuck yeah. So Wizard will take 87 points of damage. Peach Pie will take 174 points of damage. 44. And Jeb will take 43 points of damage. Oh, I'm taking 44. Actually, it's fire. I'm taking fucking... <laughs> Yeah, 87 is the full amount, uh, doubled for Peach Pie. And Moonlight, the explosion destroys the rope, and you fall 30 uh, feet to the bottom rope. of the chamber, taking an additional 15 points of falling damage. Okay, so now I'm at the bottom. How tall is this pedestal? It's only about three feet high. Okay, well, and the gem is just sitting on top of it? That's correct. I start doing first aid to treat wounds on everybody. Um, I climb on top of the pedestal and grab the gem. Okay. You're able to, without anything stopping you. And you have this softly glowing, multifaceted emerald in your hand. I cast Collective Transposition. What's the range on that? It's a 30-foot emanation. Oh. If I'm standing on top of the pedestal. <laughs> that gets you just back inside the chute. Yep, that's my goal. <laughs> In a place where you had to squeeze through to get down, so that's absolutely a, a solid hold that you could get. That works. Then Moonlight, boom, right to the bottom of the chute. You still have to climb up, but you have the emerald in your hand. I try to work my way out. Give me an acrobatics check first to try to squeeze through this area that you've teleported yourself into. 33 and your your branches are getting caught on those protuberances and you can't move you're stuck it's like do I get another check in a round or my in a round okay yeah in a round if there's anything else you want to do try to communicate with the party or anything Uh, can somebody throw me a rope (laughs) those of you up top can't hear moonlight what well, then, 
Nobody throws me a rope, I try to get out again. <laughs> it takes a little bit of time to make the well, second attempt, but go ahead and do that. I'm glad I didn't waste a hero point. Uh, 35. A 35. My next roll sucked, too. Is also a failure. And as you're stuck trying to move your way through this chute, you look around you, and you see that those runes that lit up are starting to slowly gain their color and light again. I could still hear myself, though, correct? You could hear yourself. The party could not hear you, correct? Okay. Just to make it clear, I I am backing away and doing tree wounds. Oh, I'll call down to Moonlight first, though. Moonlight, are you dead? Moonlight, you can't hear Peach Pie. Aside from yourself, actually, now that you're thinking about it, you can't hear anything. I'm above the runes, though, aren't I? I? Or am I, like, partially above the No, you're above the runes, in the chute. Yep. Um, I know I'm stuck, but I'm going to try something a little weird. Okay. I'm going to cast Reverse Gravity in here. Oh. <laughs> all right, all right. And then make another attempt to uh, do acrobatics to squeeze? Yes. All right, let's Thinking, see Thinking, you know, if it's, like, pulling me the other direction, 45. Absolutely. Moonlight, you dislodge yourself from that opening in the chute, but you don't actually, you're not actually anchored to anything. And everyone around, even, like, Peach Pie and those of you that Peach Pie are healing, there's just silence coming from the hole where the fire exploded out from. And then Moonlight falls up out of it. Uh. And then lands... <laughs> Well, no, I suppose you'd be floating above the area of effect, which is like 40 feet tall. Um, he has a 40-foot tall cylinder. So Moonlight would just be floating 10 feet above the ground after falling up out of the hole, just scarred and scorched and blackened, holding a softly gr- glowing emerald. I feel like it's from that from the page in uh, the first edition uh, PHB that I can never forget for... Disabling a trap. I mean, where Lydia's holding Lydia the smoke stick? Holding the fit smoke It just <laughs> blew up in her face. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's one piece of D&D art I will never forget. Yeah, it was a good one. I think I said first edition. I meant third edition D&D. Oh, yeah, that would be three. Three or three, five. I can't yeah, remember. It was three. It was three. Was it? Well, I mean, three and three, five. I mean, oh, I suppose they I reused the art. art. The art was the same in PHB 3.5. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will crawl to the edge of the space and kind of jump down those 10 feet to the ground. (laughs) Gonna straighten out my my leaves and brush off some of the soot and place the emerald in the outstretched hand. And as you place the emerald into the thief statue's outstretched hand, the glow brightens for a moment when you set it in the palm and then you can feel the statue's blessing fall upon you. Well, that was something. Should we go get that sheep or the nap time? Sheep! As long as I don't have to do anything. After the thief's trial has been completed, I guess congratulations, there wasn't a lot of fanfare from that one, just a lot of smoke and explosions. You begin the work of pulling the potency and fundamental runes from the gargantuan full plate and gargantuan halberd. And I need a crafting check for both of those things from Peach Pie and the wizard, if they're the ones working on this. 
Rules side note, as this episode releases, new errata just dropped, which clarifies you do have to have magical crafting in order to move runes. Neither the wizard or Peach Pie has that, so we did this wrong, just so you know. 31. 48. Peach Pie, you are successfully able to transfer the rune off of whichever item you were working on onto a runestone. The wizard, however, fails. So which one would you have been working on? The greater striking rune. I think the main thing is it doesn't matter, so we don't care. We're just doing <laughs> it just to do it. It's okay. We're getting nothing out of it. It doesn't matter. We just do it. I was because then why are you doing because it? Because it's to stay in character. Because the wizard wants money. In my head, I want the idea <laughs> that Peach Pie is wealthy when he is done. I mean, he will be. That's for sure. Okay, I guess I'll just choose it random then. Nice. This feels rote, and I hate it. I don't think you do. I'm slightly annoyed by it. That's probably more accurate. Are you perturbed? Proturbed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good call back. <laughs> so, uh, so there's a couple of things I want to get to you guys here. Um, first of all, I've got to uh, retcon one thing. Well one thing that's going to turn into several things. Uh, the pile of Zolgath bodies in the gully about a quarter mile west of the thief statue, they actually do have some loot to give to you there. Oh, sweet. We grab it. So we're going we're gonna to get that to you retroactively here. Uh, there is a magical composite short bow, a magical breastplate, a high-grade adamantine maul, and mm. a magical shield. I'll take a look at the shield. Take a look at that mall. <laughs> so interesting thing about the mall, the mall is not magical. It's just adamantine. Adamantine, but adamantine overcomes shit that like no amount of magic can. Oh yeah. And it is high grade adamantine too. What's the shield? I got a forty seven. The shield is a major sturdy shield. It's majorly sturdy. Nice. Good thing we got all them people that use shields. So the mall on its own, without any magic, is worth 16,000 gold. Yeah, I really don't think I want to replace the big top stick driver at this t- at this point. I've had the whole campaign. Even if an adamantine mall would be good, I've got the relic gifts on the on the big top stake driver, so I don't want to ditch that. All right. All right. So, could, sell it. You never use them. It's true, but it's got them. Think about how much you can sell a relic... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for this item, Tyler. Now I'm going to sell, sell it. it for money. <laughs> I feel like as soon as it's not in my hands, it would lose the relic stuff. That is true. Uh, at least that's the way I feel. Mm-hmm. I would also that think so that I would play. You could still carry. But I do get to go to dying six before dying with it in my hands. So like, that's pretty good. You could still carry. Kind of hard it. to argue with that, right? Uh, what about the breastplate and the shortbow? Composite short bow. Yeah, let me take a look at the short, the breastplate too. I might also be interested in the breastplate. Right Here now, I've got a mithril breastplate. That's for the breastplate. Wizard identifying the breastplate. And here's the bow. So with those checks, you are able to identify both the bow, and the bow is a plus three greater striking composite short bow. That's a lot of money. And the breastplate is a greater breastplate of command. I need to look that up. It's like the upgraded version of what Peach Pie had oh, oh, not too long Used ago. Yeah. yeah. And there's technically all of the... 
ingredients that you would need to craft a very particular high-level snare, if you care. They're not even worth actual money. So I I assume you don't care, since Uh, nobody's a snare crafter. Ah, yes, my archetype snare man. Snare man. Yeah. Those breastplates of command aren't really all that good. Ooh, that's probably better than my mithril breastplate, if I can switch the runes over. Can't, we found out. Specific magic items and armor can't have the fundamental stuff put on it. Well, I'd need my fortification and implacable. That's kind of the downside. Yeah, I'm keeping my breastplate. Keeping the one you got? Keeping my breastplate, keeping my hammer. I'm going to say it specifically sucks because you can't change things on it. I think that is a poor rule by Paizo. Well, I can't change things on it? It's just a straight oh, up. Oh, it's anything named. You can't remove. Oh, it's or not add the. Com- it's not a command rune. It's like literally called the breastplate of command. Correct. Okay. It's a specific yes. set of magic armor, and you can't modify specific. Well, sorry, you can't add property runes to specific magic items and arm or weapons and armor. What if I took the adamantine hammer and just left a little bit, like grafted a little bit of the original? big top stake driver on it. How much of the original big top stake driver do I need to have in order to get my relic abilities <laughs> on the adamantine hammer? This is a philosophical question at this point. Well, you know, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I'm trying to think like what part of the hammer actually makes a difference for when you're trying to use adamantine to overcome damage resistance and it's it's the head. One would think. Yeah, so part of me thinks that you just keep the haft of the big top stake driver and then replace the head with them all and that would I would allow that. If that's what you wanted to do. Take some crafting checks, but you could do it. Might be worth it to get that adamantine. Because, yeah, adamantine's really good against certain constructs. Keep in mind that there is a wandering squad of constructs patrolling the Vale. I guess I had forgotten that, but... Uh, you saw them last session, but they uh, you avoided them last time. I think that's what I'll spend my evening doing. I'll, I'll make some craft checks on doing that. You already made a craft check on moving the... Yeah, but that was before Tyler remembered that there was actually other loot that we care about. Yeah, I did retcon <laughs> that. So if you want to retcon that, doing anything with the gargantuan weapon and armor, that's totally fine. Just leave them on the ground. Yeah, screw that. Here. I don't care about that we at all. We just leave it I, there. <laughs> I try and merge together the adamantine hammer and the big top stake driver in an artistic and beautiful way weaving together the old splintered wood and the shining adamantine and I try to make it beautiful and I complete it at night because this is a work of art and I'm a worshipper of Nocticula and one of Nocticula's edicts is that you complete works of art at night and I cheer him on Now, the real question is, can I keep the 17 I rolled? (laughs) With a 48 on your crafting check, you are able to replace the head of the big top stake driver with the adamantine, the high-grade adamantine head of the maul that you've come across. Nice. Putting adamantine onto my hammer. Oh, yeah. Now, Peach Buy's got this. It's, It's heavier... It's shinier. You still get all of the relic benefits. It's going to take you a full eight hours, a full day of downtime to do that. So you would do that this evening after the, the Thanatotic yeah. fight or Titan fight. You can also make sure that you keep the runes that you have on the hammer as well. Sweet. Upgrade on Peach Pie's hammer. Wizard, you're putting up a mansion? Yeah. 
All right. Mansion goes up. No issues. It's sleepy time. Do you get the sheep before you go do the mansion? Yeah. Jeff just flies over there when people are crafting things. You're sheepy, sheepy. What are you in nature? Are you legendary or master? Master. Master. Oh, legend. Legendary. Legendary? Uh, go ahead and give me a command in animal for nature. Don't roll a one. How about a 54? Yeah, that'll do it. The sheep wants to follow you to the end of the earth. Here, sheepy sheep. Just lead him into the mansion. Here, follow me into this invisible hole in the air. Bah. <laughs> I like how we reverse rolls on that little role play. Thank you. All right. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to pass the clock here. Uh, as Peach Pie is modifying the hammer, Jebediah brings the sheep around and into the mansion. And the next day comes with no issue. Let me go ahead and mark off on the map here. That Holy shit, the hammer now has a hardness of 34 and an HP of 136. Oh, fuck. You almost got it. Your thing almost has no HP as Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta see if magic makes any difference on that. I don't think it does. <laughs> The hammer has as much HP as Moonlight does. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Moonlight. Oh, shit. Wait, hold on a second. One, two, three, four. Do you have four of the, the trial blessings now? It's the thief, yep. the scholar, the beggar. And the tailor. And the tailor. That's right. You did do the tailor. After you... Uh, start glowing? After you unlock the four. Uh, no, you don't start glowing. However... <laughs> You do, and especially Moonlight, since I think Moonlight's gotten the most of these. But once you've gotten the fourth title, you actually get this sensation of belonging kind of washes over you. Almost like coming home after an extended vacation. Wizard, you would notice this in particular. Something has shifted in the magical aura, or how you are interacting with the magical aura, you're not sure exactly. But you're almost positive that you could teleport out of the veil now. Buying spree. Yeah, now you just tempted him. <laughs> yes. the loot, Tyler. Let's go. Yes, yes. Uh, you now, uh, teleportation magic now works normally for the party. And a couple of other benefits that I can't tell you necessarily because you're not at the Verdant Beacon, but... Oh, you know what? I take that back. Once you get the blessing, you just know what you can do. There is a mag magical portal at one of the trials that you will be able to pass through. You're not sure which trial, but one of the trial has a magical portal that leads directly into the Verdant Beacon itself. And the teleportation magic works for you. Additionally, the adamantine golems that you avoided in the last session in the valley no longer perceive you as intruders and will ignore you. We own this bitch. Nice. So that's the benefit of four titles. And in taking the thief's trial, you pull that blessing from the Zolgaths in the valley. Those Zolgath fuckers did that? They also did that, yes. I figured they were all slaughtered by the fucking Titan then. Interestingly, Sarvel Everhunger sent a troop of Zolgaths to distract the Titan while he completed the Thief's Trial. So he basically sacrificed an entire troop of Zolgaths to buy him enough time to get the Thief's Trial done. Sounds alright. So on the next day, what is 
the goal. Where are you going? What are you doing? You got a sheep with you. Bah. I'm tired of this. Let's go right to the keep. I'm done. Let's do it. <laughs> I am thinking 12 just, is going to be really just, annoying. That just sounds like way too much. I don't have the patience, and we don't have the time to do 12. All right. So we have four of these things, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. And there's 12, right? Yes. That's what Ilos has told us. I don't want to. You don't want to get all 12? I don't want to get all 12. I'm so bored. We're a circus. Let's just go do action things. <laughs> Moonlight looks around. What do we, what do we do with these sheep then? How far do you think I could kick one? No, no, that be fine, no, no. We're not doing that anymore. I'm kind of hungry. I mean, I think you could kick one away. How far do you think I could golf one with my hammer? Ooh. No, that's mm. even worse. That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> We're not kicking any sheep. I think, actually, they'd be very happy to just be free and wander around eating things. What if we, like, camp out here tonight? And then, like, we magically just fly them overhead and we can count sheep while we go to bed. Can you do that? I don't know. I can try. What if we brought them back to the circus and have a thing where we help people who have insomnia get to sleep and we just have flying sheep around? I think that could be a nice thing. How about we just teleport to that tower? Okay. Yeah, I'm bored. Let's do that. Let's go be heroes! <laughs> Wait. Should I sh- teleport these sheep down to Nidek? I bet they could use some sheep down in the Darklands. Can you do that? <laughs> teleport the Elysian sheep down to the Darklands? <laughs> I'm guessing there's something with this veil that probably wouldn't allow that, but maybe. We have control over teleporting in this veil. Right, but maybe these sheep can't leave the veil. They seem kind of special. This veil seems kind of special. Hold on one second. I touch a sheep and try and teleport it to the Darklands. Does it work? Do you, you have to go, go with, it? with it? Fuck if I know. Fuck <laughs> Teleport? Don't you have to be part of the teleport? I think it is targeted, like me and targets, but... I mean, you have three prepared. Let me, let me double check. Maze the sheep! <laughs> Maze the sheep and run away. Just say <laughs> you, you and, and up to four targets. That's fine. I'll go with... Uh, th- that way I can explain to Nidek why I'm bringing sheep with me. <laughs> Are we doing this right now? Phenomenal. Can you can you do this? <laughs> I see no reason why not. I'm going to have to move my teleport spells. These are only 100-mile range teleports. I'm going to have to swap them over to... Uh, Guessing we're outside a thousand miles. Yeah, probably. Uh, well, I don't think so. I'd have to be eighth level to be anywhere on the same planet. Get back on track. We're teleporting to the tower. We'll get rid of the sheep antics because. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was about to tell Swanee to get ready his Nidek voice. Uh, he was trying to dust off the Nidek voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down to do it if you want to do it. I just need to reprepare some teleports into either seventh level if it's within a thousand miles or eighth level. If it helps you make the decision as soon as you go to as soon as you make the decision to go to the tower, you're twentieth level. So you probably want to sleep anyways. Oh. I've decided to go to the tower. Let's just, let's just go outside the tower and mansion up and level up. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Twentieth level. Wow. 
Uh, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, like, I've got it ready, but I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> okay, here we go. Level 20, fuck. Here we go. I want to real quick give a hero point to David. Thank you for starting the shenanigans. And then you're all level 20. I don't get a hero point for surviving. <laughs> eh. Birthday hero point. Birthday hero point. You already have two, Spencer. <laughs> I tried to have you give me one for every year old I was, and that did not work. You were a jerk. Uh, 20th level. Oh, barbarian. this level is so good. <laughs> I mean, it, it's... It's our capstones for like everything, so yeah, it's so awesome. so let's do. We'll uh, we'll RP into the mansion after you guys Ooh. decide what you're. You know, make sure you're up to date in your twentieth level because I want to cover that. This is the last level up we do for Extinction Curse. This is it. Who wants to talk about their level twenty? Are you guys ready uh, for your level twenty? I, I need levels? to finish. I'll oh. talk about mine because I'm ready. Says the barbarian. <laughs> Yeah, says the fucking barbarian. <laughs> so yeah, level 20 ability boosts. So here is Peach Pie's level 20 abilities. Strength, 24. Dexterity, 14. Constitution, 20. Intelligence, 18. Wisdom, 17. Clearly I didn't plan this character from the beginning. And Charisma, 10. Yeah, every character from now on that's going to 20, I'm planning that shit out. So I'm not ending on any odd numbers. HP... 368 AC 43 for my skill feat because I don't care anymore I guess with skill feats I took rapid mantle which is level 2 and requires an expert in athletics and I'm legendary <laughs> so I have rapid mantle now I guess but for my class feat 20th level barbarian unstoppable juggernaut now I have become a brutal, unstoppable force of nature, able to shrug off mortal wounds with ease. I gain resistance equal to 3 plus my con mod to all damage, and my resistance from raging resistance increases to 8 plus my con mod. In addition, if I'm ever reduced to 0 hit points while raging, I can end my rage as an action to stay at 1 hit point. If I do, or a reaction, excuse me. If I do, I become wounded too. Or increase my wounded condition by two if I'm already wounded. So, that I put that my 20th level um, new skill, because I get a new skill because of my intelligence going up. For some stupid reason, I put diplomacy. <laughs> Why would you <laughs> diplomacy? Well, that's, the, that's, that's Ted two years ago thinking maybe? That's a fucking joke. I even looked up medicine for a second. I was like, nah, nah. I'm ready to go. Spencer, are you ready to go or not yet? I'm level 20. Yeah, yes. Yes, you oh, are. That's pretty boring for a druid. I'm level 20. I get another spell slot for level 10 because I took Hero Fan's power. And I took Assurance at level 20 because that's something you do. For what skill? Survival because I have every other fucking survival feed. <laughs> it was the last one. <laughs> not the last. There's others, but I just took that. And then that's it. Yeah. That's my level. Man, you, you make it sound so fucking boring. I, I'm very not thrilled. <laughs> I was hoping it'd be more exciting. You'll just have to make it more exciting. If Turtle was alive, it would be exciting. What was the class feat you took? The, the pure of fan's power. Yeah. So that, it gives him a second 10th level spell slot. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. If you didn't kill my fucking cat... <laughs> 
it'd be Apex Companion, right? Even though, well, we if you would let it, if you would have let it work, because it's technically it's from Hell, Age of, Age of a Ashes oh. or whatever. Yeah, whatever. And it says you need to complete some trial to have access to it. And I was like, I, yeah, I did it. I tell it, fucking the wizard sent me there. I was gonna say, <laughs> if this isn't a trial, the whole fucking campaign, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Apex Companion would have been so fun. Gargantuan turtle. I'm sorry, my level was not exciting, guys. Next. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. Who's next? I mean, big things for for Moonlight are Dex is up to twenty, Charisma is up to twenty-two, uh, Skill feat. I took Aerobatics Mastery, which you might go, why would you need Aerobatics Mastery? Well, yeah. because my twentieth level class feat is Bloodline Mutation. Mm, okay. So. You permanently mutate to become more like the creature of your bloodline. You gain the appropriate trait or traits for those types of creatures. Now, like shadow type feature creatures. Well, I am modeling mine considering the blade that is in me and the fact that I'm shadow after the Aramite. Oh. Tyler might remember me asking me about ask me asking him about this like ten levels ago. I do remember this now that you bring it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Velstrak. You gain the appropriate trait or traits for these creatures, aberrations for aberrant angel and celestial for angelic. Shadow wasn't an option when they came out with this bloodline mutation, I don't think. So because I have low light vision, I gain dark vision and one appropriate trait of the following, which I'm going to take the creature associated with your bloodline have the ability to fly, which Aramites do. Mm -hmm. So I get, uh, I grow wings with the fly speed equal to my land speed. Oh shit, you're really fast, so, too. I now have a 40-foot fly speed. 45-foot fly speed. Alright. For those who don't remember, the Aramite was what Soro had transformed into at the end of Book 3. A much weaker version of one. Oh, Because the real, the real Aramite is a level 20 creature. Oh god, I nerfed that thing so hard for that fight. Um, so, yeah, Moonlight is taking on some characteristics of that. They grow these, like, kind of bony shadow wings, and, you know, they've already kind of got long claws, but they get pointier, and I have a 45-foot fly speed now. Damn. All right. So, yeah, that is level 20 for me. Oh, and I broke 200 hit points. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Peach Pie's like, I have 368. All right, wizard, what do you got? Well, 20th level wizard has a, a whopping 8 strength and 8 charisma, as you can expect <laughs> with a 20th level wizard. Uh, 20 dex, 20 con, 20 wisdom, and 24 intelligence because of the apex item. Damn. Yeah, he's fucking smart as shit. Wait, no. Shit, he's smart as fuck. There you I go. Better. <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> <laughs> um, solid 29 initiative uh, 41 AC that's still just fucking baffling to me 41 AC on a wizard the scaling, the scaling <laughs> is so different in feels weird right first edition. Yeah. I mean all my saves are like in, uh, in the 30s now too 31 for it, 31 reflex 33 will Like that's all pretty nuts uh, feet wise I took arch wizards might so I could get that second 10th level spell slot and I wasn't sure what to do with my skill feat. I ended up taking Legendary Codebreaker, uh, which is the Legendary Society skill feat. It allows me to decipher writing um, at normal speed rather than having to like take however long 
to like I don't have to slow down but if I decide to do the cipher writing at like the slower speed I can and spend the full amount of time if I roll a success I get a critical success and if I critically succeed then I can understand it word for word whatever it is so it's like if you're reading like Thieves Cant or something like that, you just understand it as you're reading it. You don't actually have to take the decipher writing action. Is that what that says? Basically, yes. Damn. Okay. I mean, I would still have to make the make a check. I just don't slow down to do it. And if I choose to do this, like the slower speed that you normally have to take with decipher writing, then if I succeed, it's automatically a critical success. And for some context here, the decipher writing usually takes one minute per page of text. Yep. It made sense. I like reading. Everyone knows the wizard likes reading. Uh, and then for that new language I picked up with my int increase, I picked up Islanti. Um, as we know, I, I had a little bit of experience, or the wizard had a little bit of experience reading in Islanti, so I, it made sense that he actually learned it in that short time, because he's smart as fuck, right? Yeah. I learned gate just because I figured campaign over. I'm just going to gate myself to Castrovel or something. No, I guess that'd be, that'd be a teleport. I could gate myself to a different plane. Mergo plane hopping. Say gate, you would. I'm going to need Jeb with uh, me. Jeb, you're coming gate, with me. Gate is to bring other people, yeah. Jeb, like, we're a plane lot of other hopping. People. I need to keep me alive with these other planes. <laughs> <laughs> Use your legendary survival. I was going to say, you'd, you'd actually need Jeb for that legendary survival thing. Oh my god, the circus is going to go put on shows in different planes. Look out, Abyss, here they come. Yes, the interplanetary fucking... The interplanetary interplane. Interplaner. Interplaner, interplanetary. We go wherever the fuck we want to go and put on shows. Go put on a show for the fucking, uh, for the dragonkin, or the dragonfolk on Triaxis, or... Fucking go to that, like, never-ending city on the plane of law. Axis. We're putting on shows for gods. Alright. Well, that's the party's 20th level for everyone at home. This is the first time in our nine, ten years playing together that we've actually finished a campaign from one to 20 without taking major breaks. Hey, we haven't finished it yet. Uh. (laughs) I mean, we're getting there, right? Well, you got to level 20. There you go. <laughs> so this is this is kind of new to us to an extent too, is we're just like breaching into the you know the end of this long haul that we started uh, at the beginning of 2020. Do you rest before you teleport to the tower, or do you just teleport to the tower? Yeah, let's rest. We need to hit level 20. I mean, generally, I'm like, uh, you we teleport to like a mile away or something like that. I could cast dragon fart. <laughs> dragon fart. Hang on. Fart. You got a dragon fart. We got a big, giant dragon fort that's protected by four tyrannosauruses. Perfect, I love it. Isn't that a 10th level spell, too? Yeah! 10th level <laughs> Siege of the dinosaurs. Everybody like the dinosaur. As you head into the mansion for this evening, you've come a long way. A very long way. And what I'd like to do to end the evening tonight is to just kind of go around and let's talk about the characters as they've progressed going into this final act. When we first started Extinction Curse, we had a party of four and only two of you that started that party of four are here today. And one of them almost didn't make it. 
let's talk real quick to the to the leader of the circus here. Moonlight, as you started this adventure, and before the adventure, you started off as a, a sideshow act in the Celestial Menagerie, locked in this lightless cage, being, you know, wheeled out in the dead of night as this aberration, this thing to show off to, to folks, to getting busted out of the Celestial Menagerie by Jeb, to making your way to the Circus of Wayward Wonders with him, and eventually finding yourself to be the actual ringleader of the Circus of Wayward Wonders, we're beyond the circus now. It's been almost two books where we really haven't really thought of the circus at all. So I'm really curious, what does Moonlight think about their journey up to the now? How do they feel about what's ahead of them going into this last chapter and where they've come from? That's a really heavy question. Um, I mean, they certainly, like I said, it's a long ways from living in a box. They find it really fitting that Jeb is still here as they're the one, he's the one that uh, saved them from their captivity in the first place so they're happy about that i feel like moonlight's always been a little jaded just from the way they were treated how they started out how they came to be i mean there's always been that shadow inside of them that they couldn't quite wrap their mind completely around it was kind of this entity that was within them that you know no matter how charismatic they were towards you know trying to lead a circus be friendly be and all that kind of stuff there was always this shadowy entity within them i feel like as they as they grew that continued to grow also um until you know level 20 it kind of comes to fruition where they kind of take on a bit more of a shadowy specter they grow these wings that are like bone and shadow and they kind of allow that part of their their self to merge with the rest of them. They kind of accept it as this is what helped get them to where they are. I mean, without that fear that they could instill in people, the party might not have made it where they are, um, the debuffing and whatnot. But they're also still really proud of how far the circus has come while under the, their leadership and that they could you know, kind of let it grow and go off on their own without having to be led specifically by us. So yeah, just, it's been a really long road. I mean, obviously in in both game time and in real time, it's been, what, two and a half years since we started playing Extinction Curse? <laughs> real close at this point, man, yeah. So, just been, been a lot, and it was really weird playing... Nidek for a while. It was a lot of fun playing something different. It was it was fun. It kind of re-energized me to play Moonlight when Moonlight came back. Even though I did I loved Nidek. It was actually I was constantly going back and forth up until we brought Moonlight back on whether I wanted to keep Nidek and bring him to the surface or just I mean for partly because it was a lot of fun to play and partly because of the thematic of the circus, the group coming back without their leader. After the Darklands trip? I would After agree. the Darklands trip. So part of me wanted to see how that would happen, how, what that would bring out, but I just 
I just loved playing Moonlight too much, so... Hard not to come back to that. It's hard not to come back to it. Also, IRL, you have a giant tattoo of Moonlight on your leg, so there's that. (laughs) Do you feel like uh, the Sorrow arc that occurred, because we're talking about that that shadow that Moonlight now has, you know, really truly come to accept, and it's now manifesting itself physically as well as, you know, through these abilities that Moonlight's getting. Do you feel like Moonlight was already moving in that direction before their death? Or do you think that the incorporation of the dagger into Moonlight's physical form aided that somehow? I mean, thematically... Yes, it aided it, but I had had that planned out to happen before Moonlight died also. <laughs> it was going to happen one way or the other. It just it was gonna, so it was going to happen one way or the other. Um, but I do think that Sorrow's blade being, or hilt being incorporated into Moonlight's body makes it even better. That's perfect. Assuming you all survive, what does Moonlight see for themselves in the circus moving forward? Um, well, we were just joking about it a moment ago, uh, going interplanetary and interplanar, possibly. <laughs> Wizard throw some gate shenanigans into that shit. Wizard's got gate. Jebediah's got legendary survival that lets him uh, subsist in, on any plane, <laughs> any environment, basically. You know, just kind of pop around, finding, looking for places to go. Which is funny to say, considering we haven't even left Kortos Isles yet. <laughs> right? You haven't even performed an Absalom, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think we can go anywhere we want at that point. The multiverse is your oyster. Well, thank you, Swanee. Thank you, Moonlight. It's a long way. It's a big arc. It was a dark arc. But we, I, we had, I, think, I think we had fun playing that out, right? I think we had a good time. I, I, I had a ton of fun. If I hadn't, I probably wouldn't have brought him back. I would have just stuck with Nidek, but... There you go. I had a lot of fun. Well, what about the wizard? I'm just kind of going through and uh, looking at some of my notes that I have. Ted, you started off this game as Savatri, and... Who? Huge yeah, right. mistake. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, you know... I like Savatri. I liked what you were doing with Savatri. It was sad to see Nobody likes Savatri. What, you didn't? I thought it was Savatri. Cooking nudes, being misogynistic, trolling around. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when you brought the wizard in, not only was it a good fit with the party tactically, it fit you better as a player, in my opinion, too. Um, And it was, you know, more of a comfortable role for you to take in this very long-form campaign that we're talking about now. When the wizard started, we brought him in as a, a past acquaintance of one of David's previous characters, which we'll get to here in a second, Kestrel, who you and had... Savatri. And Savatri. Yeah, that's right, and Savatri. That's how creative I am. I had to build a backup character, and I just made a friend of my dead character. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck, I died? I'm just gonna make another elf. They're friends. Done. One of my first notes that I had about the wizards in, in my character notes here for you is that uh, the the name I really wanted to play around with names in your arc somehow. It was it was almost a joke, right? Because you couldn't come up with a name for it, and we were looking at getting into playing, but it stuck so well. I want to ask, like, 
as the wizard has progressed here, he started off as just, you know, coming, came to the wizard, or came to the Circus of Wayward Wonders uh, to try to find Savatri and Kestrel, found out that they were dead. You know, and I think this was super vague or just not covered. What was the wizard's original motivation for getting into the party and sticking with it for this long? There wasn't one. There wasn't one? It just became rote? Is the wizard even part of the circus? <laughs> it was a fun on uh you know run on joke with that uh and and I think I think we had a good time with it. So so I want to ask when you think about the wizard in the long form for you, how has the wizard changed if he's changed at all from when he joined the circus to this moment going into the final act? I think he's part of the circus now. He accepts it. Hell yeah, you are. Yeah. He's made friends. He made new friends since his old friends died. I remember when you wrote your backstory the first time, I was really looking at taking it and implementing it somehow, and I was stuck on putting Zaraneth into book five. What did you think about that encounter with Zaraneth? I liked it. I don't know. I always liked that part of my backstory that I actually pulled something from lore. It was a little, um, I can't think of the word for it now. The entry for Zaraneth in the Pathfinder wiki is literally like two paragraphs. Yeah. It's tiny. I know for me it was fun to, to put the personality that you had built for the wizard and create the personality for a mentor of somebody like the wizard. And I had a good time with it. And uh, I thought I thought the Zaraneth backstory was, was, it was a good insert and it gave me a lot to play with. So what do you think the wizard's going to do after this is all said and done? You going to stick with the circus? Hop around planes, hop around planets. He'll he'll hang out with the circus. You know, he'll move them around so they can. Uh, tra- it's a traveling circus, right? Like they need some transport. I got them. Pop a gate up. Start teleporting people around. The Barker, the promoter, the fireworks guy, the traveling guy. You're just the everyman. I, in the I mean, at this now. point, the wizard is the circus. The musician leader. That's right, leading the band. The circus of wayward wizards. The Wizard of Wayward Wonders. Wonders. Uh, I don't know. That's it. That's it. It's official now. You're the Wizard of Wayward Wonders. Also, I want to point out to the audience here real quick. At level one, the wizard are supposed to name their spellbook, their thesis, and Ted just now popped it into 20th chat. 20th level, the wizard <laughs> names his spellbook. <laughs> it is the Wizard's Guide to Shenanigans. That is the name of the spellbook. It was a question mark in my inventory up until right now. And it just works so perfectly. I love it. it. It fits the arc. It fits the character. And if I ever die and somebody finds it, they know what it is. Like just from taking a look, they're like, oh, this could be some fun spells in here. Why is there color <laughs> spray on every fucking page? <laughs> <laughs> really? Thank you, Ted. Uh, it was it was awesome. I loved, I loved the wizard. So, Spencer, I'm going to come at you, man. What are we doing? Uh, before you come at Spencer, or come on Spencer, um, oh. what are, what are your thoughts on Jeez. what are your thoughts on us uh, teleporting somewhere and selling all this shit and doing one last uh, shopping spree? <laughs> oh yeah, go nuts, dude. Go nuts because you know what was you know what was supposed to happen. You totally skipped it. One of the trials is the merchants' trial. Oh, and get this: when somebody new enters the veil, Aridin's magic that he put on the veil just takes a random a random-ass merchant from the multiverse and teleports them into the Vale of Aridin and holds them hostage at the trial until you buy something from them. That talks to be that guy. <laughs> Seriously, it's... Selling, like, everything in our inventory, except for that. I want that healing potion major. 
while they're looking for loot, Spencer, what I'm doing is I'm kind of covering character arcs top to bottom of the of the thing. Like, we're going into the last act. I just want to talk with you and ask you a few questions about Jeb. You've given my character depression. <laughs> Tyler, how much could I sell the Convergence Lattice for? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I forgot she said that. <laughs> Got a, got a convergence lattice here. Uh, a trail of unholy desire. Don't, don't worry about it. Just it up. Level 20, category hazard in all caps. Subcategory, yes. fuck psychopomps, all, all caps. Traits, sweet, price, priceless. <laughs> oh, fuck. Jesus. We're going to have to deal with the whole mini adventure with the wizard just selling that to some schmuck and it creating chaos. Yeah, I'm just going to take it to a different plane, of plane and I'll just leave it somewhere for someone to find. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Spencer, Jeb's had. I know we were, we were just talking a little bit earlier about Swanee and Moonlight specifically having a pretty dark arc, but it was written that way. I feel like Jeb has gotten this really dark arc that started like it was, you know, it started kind of hopeless, but then, you know, gained hope. But progressively throughout the campaign, you've just had things happen to your character that have been just fucking terrible. Jeb starts off by, you know, being a member of the Celestial Menagerie and seeing some of the cruelty that's been happening around. One of the big pieces of Jeb's backstory is that Turtle, his animal companion, uh, he saved her from uh, you know a litter of cubs that was literally being murdered by some you know uh, one of the big hill giant clowns at the Celestial Menagerie. Brings Turtle back, saves Turtle, and then breaks out of the Celestial Menagerie with Moonlight in tow to go to the Circus of Wayward Wonders. There was that beginning of Jeb's journey kind of at that moment, and Jeb, I feel like, had a lot of hope in that. But progressively throughout this time, from beginning to now, Jeb's lost two party members, Savatri and Kestrel, had some pretty awful shit happen in the Darklands. The only other original member of the circus died, and you lost Turtle just as you were entering into the Darklands. Moonlight's still dead to me. I don't know who this other imposter is. <laughs> the bone wings just solidifies it, right? <laughs> but there's just been this 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 like shadow that's hung over Jeb. I wanna ask you, with the dice telling that story the way that it did, was that something that you felt like was was that fun to go through from bottom to top? And I, it's weird to ask you if this depressing thing was fun, but <laughs> you know, what did you think about that? No, I mean yeah, like I it was like my main the whole like thing behind Jeb was the animal companion and then it, it's like now it's gone and then rewriting the character from that and stuff is it something else but I don't know I'm probably just gonna retire in the woods with Bardolph and call it a day <laughs> bro we need you to travel <laughs> how are we supposed dude. to survive without you you can find me in Baldur Bar- we, we we're just gonna be to two grumpy old men in a cabin <laughs> you find Vorn you are Vorn <laughs> grumpy ass Jeb and Bardolph hanging out in the cabin in the woods Jeb starts growing the herb that the wiz has been smoking and forgets who he is and turns into a level one storm druid <laughs> do you think that Jeb would just retire afterwards after this is all said and done or would he go on with oh the yeah circus? the circus life ain't no life for him no more 
You cr you look what you put us through. Why the fuck would we go back to a circus? <laughs> <laughs> Spencer, the only one playing the character the way like a real person is. <laughs> True. Like but going back to the service would be the simple going back to your roots instead of doing all this other bullshit. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm just going to retire. <laughs> like, I never want to. Yeah, retire from adventuring and go back to the circus. I'm not going back to work. You know how much money I'm worth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So many expenses in your cave. Yeah, like... <laughs> need I remind you, you don't need to eat. <laughs> yeah, let, me just, let me just use this artifact level axe to chop down some firewood. <laughs> what do you mean? My, my axe can just make trees. <laughs> and summon lightning to light the fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Spencer. Uh, I know one of the things I do really like about Jeb is the fact that he is probably the most down-to-earth character that we have, based on all the shit that's happened to him, how he approaches things. In a lot of ways, Jeb just doesn't have time for fucking shenanigans. But you always put up with it from these guys. And it's it's a fun counterbalance, and I appreciate Jeb as a character. Hey, thanks. You're welcome, bud. David. If, Yo. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Uh, I remember when we first started this adventure, I was like, hey guys, everybody build a backup character because I don't know who's going to survive. I don't know if you're going to survive. So just why don't you just have one of those in your back pocket? And David, you were the only one that made a backup character. Yeah, and it was Kestrel, initially. Who was your primary, actually? Thinking? Peach Pie. Peach Pie I initially made Peach Pie to be the character I was going to play. Then, like, kind of our party dynamic switch. And I had this idea of a backup being like, a, like an acrobatic who was a monk. And I felt like, oh, Jeb's going to be hitting things in melee with his two-handed weapon. I don't want to have another one of those. I'm going to make a monk. And the monk was terrible. And that was Kestrel, my initial character. And really fun character to RP. Just uh, had been around for hundreds of years as an ancient elf. And uh, was ready to stop taking everything so seriously and just go have a good time and join the circus. But, uh, yeah, he died. And then along came Peach Pie, who's a far superior character, I think, both in terms of RP and uh, and certainly combat ability. I would agree with what you said earlier. I think Peach Pie is, you know, I loved Kestrel, but I think Peach Pie is a better character for both the party dynamic and you RPing him. So let's talk a little bit about Peach Pie's arc from starting in. Yeah, my whole idea with Peach Pie was to start him as, well, it just all came from, like, the idea of a sad clown. Uh, I think there's something really fun about this clown that's very sad, but is trying, like, in real life, sad clowns who try and just make everybody else laugh. And, you know, that, like, that joke about Pagliacci from The Watchmen, you know, like, but I am Pagliacci, or whatever the name is. And yep, uh, yep. that's just a fun, fun idea. So I just based a character kind of off of that. I mean, aesthetically, he's 100% Puddle's Pity Party, even up to having the alliteration of the P's in the name. So, like, if you're familiar with Puddle's Pity Party, that's what I've always imagined Peach Pie being, essentially. Dude's, like, 6'8". He's huge. Peach Pie, uh, my arc for him, I wanted it to be, like, he starts off as, like, a nihilist. He's from the Puddles, which is the poorest district of Absalom. Throughout his uh, journey, well, he starts his journey by creating Bernard as the alchemical familiar because he decides he, he thinks maybe there is such a thing as, like, good and bad and positivity and even negativity, rather than just straight-up neutral nihilism. And so he creates Bernard to help him on his journey to find that that positivity 
And uh, that kind of manifests in Bernard as wanting Peach Pie to be a hero and, and do the good things all the time and kind of be the Jiminy Cricket on the shoulder. And uh, so I, I kind of wanted to reach that point by the end of book five and, and have him be where he wanted to be by book six. I think I think I pretty much hit that arc by the time we reached book six, and now book six has just been kind of straight-up combat. We haven't had a whole lot of opportunity to RP a whole lot, but um, I think Peach Pie's in the place he wanted to be. So one of the things that when it came to... Peach Pie and, and specifically Peach Pie and Bernard was the the really fun idea of getting to play with the party's morals. Like there were certain things that were coming through the books and the adventure that were very clearly to this party without Bernard, they just straight up wouldn't have given a shit about. At points. At points. And and I I appreciate I appreciated the way that that Bernard helped move the story forward as you being, you know, a group of heroes from this circus to save the Cortos Isles. Um, Because there were a few moments where, you know, the party was just ready to give up. And Bernard always brought him back. And the one Bernard moment that I'll always remember is the one time we always basically have this table rule where if you're not going to use the familiar in combat, then I'm not going to target your familiar in combat. But the one time that Bernard came in and started, you know, we actually had Bernard take actions was when Soro took over Moonlight back at the end of book three. Yeah, that art that Fizzgig sent you. Beautiful. Where Bernard actually saved Moonlight from Soro. And there was this really great moment where Bernard realized that he could be the hero. He didn't have to just convince you to be the hero. And I thought that was a really cool moment. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, that's that's part of it. Like, definitely, it was the idea was to kind of move towards the thought that we do have agency, that we can make a difference, and rather than just hating everybody, it's better to actually take action and be good and try and make a positive change in the world than uh, just sit in nihilism and hate it all. Perhaps mirroring a bit of my own journey at some points <laughs> in my life. <laughs> So seeing how the, the how the whole the whole like how this arc has come out for Peach Pie in this journey that he's taking at this point in the book, do you, does Peach Pie feel like a hero? Only in his deepest, most private thoughts would he be like, "Well, maybe a little." If you're all successful in stopping the extinction curse from happening, where does Peach Pie see himself after the adventure? If Mr. GM gone, it will be when, <laughs> says Bernard. <laughs> I think Bernard wants to join the Pathfinders. That would be that would be his goal. Like he'd really like to just start uh, docu. Like he's seen all these adventures, and he's like, okay, it's time to start documenting this. I'm gonna take charge of my own path. But he's certainly not gonna leave Peach Pie. So it would be a constant struggle between Bernard trying to get Peach Pie to go use his literally a level 20 adventurer to go out and do important things and Peach Pie just kind of wanting to be a part of the circus. And then also getting dragged off with the wizard in Moonlight and convincing Jeb to go travel the plains and see cool things there. Well, going into the final act of book six of The Extinction Curse, there's your party. Whether or not the party's going to survive is yet to be seen. I want to thank you, and I'm sure I'd speak for everybody here, to all the listeners. Thank you for coming on this journey with us. It's been a trip. It's been a ton of fun. We love interacting with you guys. We love putting this out for you to listen to and to talk about 
and to share with your friends so that we can share that success amongst each other and even upon, among the people that we know it's it's just it's very humbling and we thank you all for that um thank you it's your turn <laughs> that would have been the perfect way to end that so why not it's your turn anybody else have anything else they wanted to sell although I do want a, a major door knocker Oh, that's all, that's that's all I fucking want. Let me buy a goddamn new door knocker. I want all three. I need the set. I want a third door knocker. Seventeenth like level item, so I need some money. Holy shit! It's seventeenth level. I guess I was like seventeenth level. It's like thirty k or something. Well, then you have to do some stupid bullshit with it. Uh, You're gonna also, do stupid bullshit with it, right? Probably not. I don't know. We'll, we'll oh, come out. on. And so we come to the final chapter of Extinction Curse. Will we survive, or will we have come all this way just to let Tyler win? Nah, I don't think so. Anyway, find out next time as we continue the Extinction Curse. And until then, may you have many great adventures of your own. It's your turn.